Hi, I'm Sue. And I'm Rach. And this is the Georgette Hayer podcast. And in this episode, we're talking about an infamous army. So, Sue, how have you been? Oh, um, well, I turned 40 and I got COVID. Um, mm-hmm. So to separate those two out a little bit. Uh, 40 was fantastic. Had some friends around, including you and your family. Yeah. Which is lovely. Um, COVID has been less fun, but, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. So I won't complain. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What are you up to? Yeah, I'm all right. I've just, I've had both of my son's birthdays so one one last weekend one was this weekend so um so it's just busy 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 um with those various celebrations oh and you went to york didn't you um god was that okay yes yes it was very nice actually i had a really nice time in york a lovely um lovely city with your little archaeology expedition archaeology i thought you took the kids to some archaeology thing uh, no, it, um, I know what you mean. It's a dig thing. We didn't actually do that in the end, but anyway. Oh, disappointing. Um, it's just quite a lot to. It, it's quite difficult to fit things in with a with a two year old. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it you can't you have to aim for one thing a day, else it gets a bit ambitious. <laughs> Fair enough. And doomed to failure. Oh, okay. I don't think I want to dwell on doomed to failure. Shall we? Shall we just plow right into an infamous <laughs> army? Let's do, let's do it. Okay. So, what did you did you enjoy? Did you enjoy it? Um, well, earlier in the week, I referred to it um, as my own personal Waterloo uh, because <laughs> it, it did feel like a slog, but ultimately there was success. Um, yeah, no, I I was almost dreading it a little bit. I must admit, but. I got more from it than I thought I would. And actually, I yeah. enjoyed the battle bits. Maybe enjoyed is the wrong word, but I appreciated them more mm. than actually the other bits that I, th- I thought I'd get more from. So it was a surprising read, um, but I'm, I'm very glad we didn't ignore this book. What about you? Yeah, uh, similar. Uh, so I listened to it on audiobook. Mm. And um, and I th- I think when I read the book... Um, the first time and the second time I, I, I read it I um I think I probably skipped over quite a lot of the battle stuff mm-hmm. like I just I, I just couldn't I couldn't get into it so I just I just skipped ahead I mean there's a lot of troop movements aren't there yeah so or, or rather I skimmed it I skimmed mm. it but because I listened to an audiobook so you're sort of made to listen and I was <laughs> doing other things at the time um I actually really enjoyed those bits and I learned a lot and um yeah so I, I think I'd, I enjoyed those bits more than I thought I was going to as well mainly because I was sort of made to listen to it <laughs> um but just it's I mean it's an absolute incredible bit of research isn't it yeah. like the detail that she goes into and um and the way she weaves it into the story mm. to into a story it is is that is, is really impressive it's um well, I think the way that she it's does... It's really interesting. I mean, you've got the Duke of Wellington in there. And, you know, I feel like she's culled his character from her research, you know, his letters and, and writings. Yeah. Um, but not at the expense of making him a less than real character. Mm. I think you still get a sense of, of knowing him. Um, and I, I was very impressed by that. Shall we... Um, Should we do a summary? Yeah, let's do a summary. Yeah. In the build-up to the Battle of Waterloo, we're in Brussels, reunited with Regency Bucks Charles Audley and Barbara Child, the granddaughter of Mary and Vidal from Devil's Cup. 
Charles and Bab fall in love, but the heady atmosphere of an imminent battle and the wild nature of Bab herself make for a tumultuous affair. So yeah, we've got a lot of old characters rearing their heads again, haven't we? Yeah, it's 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 nice, isn't it? It's nice to know how people are doing. So normally we just leave characters and then we sort of left to guess um, mm. how they fare, whether their marriage is a success and, um, mm. and how they're doing. And, you know, we always say, oh, some of these secondary characters, oh, wouldn't it be nice to find out how they got on and whether they found love? And Charles Audley is one of those, this yes. brilliant secondary character in Regency Bark. And it's just nice to know... Um, how he gets along and that he does find love i think <laughs> <laughs> well let's start with charles um i think he it's a nice opening scene with him because we walk in on him playing with judith's small child with his nephew on the floor and they're yeah. making paper boats or something aren't they and uh it's very domestic and and charming yes and he still has all of that sort of wit and dash that we enjoyed in in regency bark um, he's just a very likable character, uh, isn't he? Yeah. He's dashing. He's you know, mm. he's military man, so he's you know dressed in regimental mentals. But yeah, he's he's dashing. He's charming, mm. and he's kind as well, as we see throughout the book. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, and he's absolutely a a complete hero as well. He's got he has four horses shot out from under him in the Battle yeah. of Waterloo, doesn't he? And, you know, it's remarkable how he just, every time he picks himself up and he keeps on going um, because the job needs to be done until he physically just cannot yeah. do it anymore. It's remarkable. And I think there are lots of bright, dashing young men in this book um, that we end up mourning the loss of. But even amongst that set of men, Charles still stands out as being someone special. Yeah. Um well, yes, I mean, he would because he's our hero, wouldn't he? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, he does. Well, I think because he's our hero, I, I thought the first time I read it, I kind of felt like the characters of Judith and Worth were almost greyed out because, I don't know, I suppose that was necessary in order to give Bab and Charles the spotlight. Like, we, we couldn't have that yeah. many big characters. Um, so that's interesting. Because I think Worth is definitely... Mm. grayed out a bit mm. you know but I, I I'm not so sure about Judith I think mm. one of the stories in here is her relation her and Bab's relationship it's more like she's mellowed I think yeah def definitely in fact yeah um we'll get on to that because I think <laughs> um mellowed to a degree that I'm not quite sure I buy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to. <laughs> and also like why does she suddenly become so judgy about other people yeah yeah. Should we just have a little description of mm. of Charles? Um, which is quite a good let me find oh here we go. The Colonel had declared his dress clothes to be worn to rags, but when he presented himself in readiness to set forth to the Hotel de Ville that evening, his sister in law had no fault to find with his appearance beyond regretting with a sigh that his present occupation made the wearing of his hussar uniform ineligible. Nothing could have been better than the set of his coat across his shoulders, nothing more resplendent than the fringed sash, nothing more effulgent than these hessians with their swinging tassels. The colonel was blessed with a good leg and had nothing to fear from sheathing it in skin-tight knit pantaloon. His curling brown locks had been brushed into a state of pleasing disorder known as the Starler's accoude de vin. 
His whiskers were neatly trimmed. He carried his cocked hat under one arm and altogether presented to his sister-in-law's critical gaze a very handsome picture. I do like that image of him. I like that he's got whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost picture George Heyer, you know, lasciviously ogling him um, and yeah. his lovely legs. Um, his skin-tight pantaloons. Yes. And uh, and Babs is no less... I keep calling her Babs. It's Bab, right? Barbara. Um, she makes no less striking an impression. You know, she's got this yeah. flaming head of red hair, a la Leonie. Um, and she, she's just beautiful and captivating. Uh, and actually, I've got a little description yeah. of her, which perhaps leans more on her character than her appearance. But let's see. She was heartless. It was the decision of all who knew her and of many who did not. No one could deny her beauty or her charm, but both were acknowledged to be deadly. Her conquests were innumerable. Men fell so desperately in love with her that they became wan with desire, and very often did extremely foolish things when they discovered that she did not care the snap of her fingers for them. Young Mr Vane had actually drunk himself to death, and poor Sir Henry Drew had bought himself a pair of colours and gone off to the peninsula with the declared intention of being killed, which he very soon was. While, more shocking than all the rest, Bab had allowed her destructive green eyes to drift towards Philip Darcy, with the result that poor dear Marianne, who had been his faithful wife for ten years, now sat weeping at home, quite neglected. It was a mystery to the ladies what the gentleman found so alluring in those green eyes, with their deceptive look of candour. For green they were, let who would call them blue. Bab had only to put on a green dress for there to be no doubt at all about it. They were set under most delicately arched brows and were fringed by lashes which had obviously been darkened. That outrageously burnished head of hair might be natural, but those black lashes undoubtedly were not. Nor, agreed the washbush, was that lovely complexion. In fact, the Lady Barbara Child, beyond all other inequities, painted her face. So, oh, she's a a one-woman walking scandal, isn't she? She is. She's basically the female equivalent of a rake, isn't she? Yes. Because she's danger she she's seen as dangerous so men get entangled with her and then she just sort of um she leaves them for dead sort of thing yeah she's a heartbreaker and a homewrecker yeah um but despite that you can't go through the book disliking her completely can you i went through quite a lot of the book disliking her completely to be honest um i did absolutely change my mind towards the end and I don't. You went on a journey with Judith. I do, I, do, I really did. I am a judgy prude like Judith these days, mm. but um, I think her heartlessness is is very clearly presented, and I just find it difficult to get on board with that. I I was asking myself, you know, am I am I more judgmental about Barbara because she's female, and that rakish behaviour just seems more extreme? But I mean, basically. She, we do have the equivalent male character, don't we? Because we have Vidal, and and he was a lot worse than she was. He killed people on the roadside, and attempted rape, and you know. So it's, um, I, I do, th- I think trouble is it's presented as worse behaviour, though, isn't it? It it's male behaviour is is brushed aside, mm. and but it's very stark. When you, when you see females in this situation behaving like this. 
and I think you're right it's not so much about you know that she she wore um revealing dresses or she painted her toenails you know we wouldn't think mm-hmm. anything of that it's I think her heartlessness is the thing that makes it very very difficult to warm to her and not really caring that she's what she's doing is hurting other people is actually hurting other people rather than just causing a bit of a scandal Mm. so it's difficult Mm. to warm to her because of that I think yeah I I suppose Haya goes to some pains to present a bit of a sympathetic backstory um so her father wasn't a particularly good sort and her earlier marriage was problematic i have a passage which describes that so um the duchess of richmond um is speaking to judith and she says the melancholy truth was my dear that lord vidal's principles were not high and he did not scruple to instill into bab his own cynical notions he will not repeat it but lord vidal's household was apt to include females of whose very existence young girls should be unaware but her grandparents Oh, yes, but you see, Lord of Vidal was not always upon terms with his father, said Her Grace, and the Duchess was not of an age to dance attendance upon a flighty granddaughter. She was most distressed at that wretched marriage, I know. There can never have been a more shocking business. The child was a man whose reputation, whose whole manner of life... But I'm talking of the dead, and indeed have said too much already. I'm glad you've told me as much. It may help me to be patient. I own I cannot like Barbara. I am sorry for it. She is not heartless, as so many people say. I could tell you of a hundred generous actions. She is accounted perfectly selfish, but I have been a good deal touched by her kindness to my my boy during his long, painful convalescence. So yeah, we get a a bit of history there. A dodgy dad, which immediately makes me think, what was what were Dominic and Mary doing there to raise raise a child so badly? Yeah, but but I mean, a lot of people in that family are not particularly likable, are they? So the um, the current uh, Marquis, well, yeah, is is not um, is not a particularly likable character, is he? No, or his wife. He's just a bit wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas George, well, they may not approve of his behaviour. Um, he's he's got some swagger about him. And Harry, oh poor Listen, Harry, yeah. um, poor Harry, lovely young chap. But I, I think one of the nice things about Bab is that we get a bit of a comparison with Judith because for both of them they struggle with opposition like you know if they're told not to do something they immediately want to do it even if it's not in their best interests um so yeah i suppose seeing judith and how much she's changed perhaps we're meant to suppose that there's hope for barbara and charles because barbara will also change a little i think we see her um compared to a lot of female characters in the book as well she's she's held up so there's a comparison between her and harriet mm. there's a comparison between her and lucy Devonish, is it yeah. yeah um and you know at first because because obviously judith wants lucy Devonish at first to become to, to charles to charles to take a fancy to um, mm. lucy Devonish, and that that that's not going to happen but she um you know she she's compared to her throughout the book and then in the end that sort of switches and she and judith and we can see bab's worth compared yes. to lucy um but so i think you have that like those, those little comparisons throughout the book and actually um you know there are i think that's how we see some of the good qualities in bab so mm-hmm. at least she's not judgmental of people like mm-hmm. maybe harriet is Mm. um 
you know, at, at least she's strong-willed and um, will put others above herself, maybe unlike Lucy. So I think you do see her good qualities as, as she's compared to others. Yes, and I think especially the, the Lucy comparison comes to the forefront when Judith and uh, Barbara have been out tending the injured all day and they're covered in blood and it's just been the most horrific experience of their lives probably. Um, and Lucy then drops in later on in the day and kind of says, oh, I couldn't possibly have done that. It's, it's far too difficult. Mm. And, and Judith and Barbara exchange a look, don't they? A sort of, we were there, you had to be there to, to get it kind yeah. of look. yeah. So, yeah, so I think we do all, with Judith, we all go on a bit of a journey in the book with whether we, mm. we start off not particularly liking Babs and then um, you definitely see her good qualities at the end. But I do quite like that even at the end, there is, she's not complete, she doesn't have a complete turnaround of character. Yeah. She hasn't been broken. No, and even she says that, that part of my nature is is true as well. Like the the... Um, you 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 like me now because we've got she said to Jews I think that we ha we have this um, connection now and mm. you can see my worth now but that the other part the bit where she treated Charles badly she treats um, she's selfish blah 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 is um, is true as well I do quite like that you don't she doesn't have a complete turnaround she mm. just there's just two sides of her character and it's just one is outweighing the other and hopefully that continues yes I I do hope that with Charles a bit more present you know after the after the fighting's done that he will be on hand to keep her entertained and that's gonna yeah. avoid some issues she does seem to be someone that needs to be constantly entertained doesn't she <laughs> <laughs> like a toddler a bit like a toddler yeah <laughs> yeah and I think um so Judith at one point tells Charles like well you know why don't you put your foot down just get her in line and Charles to his credit says that he won't ride roughshod or be ridden roughshod and he sort of has this instinct that although he he loves her so much there's a bit of him that wants to just let her get away with it all he knows that in the long term that is not a wise course so he has to put his foot down and that's where the engagement yeah. breaks off but um maybe we should stop with yeah. their foot let's get let's get a little bit further back so we can enjoy some romance before it all goes a bit wrong So Charles um, is absolutely smitten at the very sight of her, isn't he? Oh, yeah. It is for him, love at first sight. Mm -hmm. And maybe a little bit for her as well. Oh, yeah, I think she's very taken. She sort of gives him a hand. She doesn't quite know why she's agreeing to yeah. have a dance with him. And Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he plays it really well, I think. He doesn't descend to the level yeah. of her other suitors. He plays exactly his own game. He shows some strategy and a straightforwardness that she finds appealing yeah and, and you know things move on quite quickly yes they do. <laughs> um so just go yeah, it was a bit um when they're dancing together so this is the first ever dance together mm -hmm. he danced well and she as though by instinct neither spoke for one or two turns but presently barbara raised her eyes to his face and asked abruptly why did you look at me so he smiled down at her I don't know how I looked. I've been wanting to dance with you all evening. Does every man say that to you? Yes, she replied nonchalantly. I was afraid it must be so. I wish I might think of something to say to you which would interest you by its novelty. Oh, can you not? No. If I'd said the only thing that I 
can think of to say to you, I would find you would find it abominably a commonplace. Should I? What is it? I love you, replied the colonel. Momentary surprise, which caused her wonderful eyes to fly upwards to his again, gave place immediately to frank amusement. Her enchanting gurgle of laughter escaped her. She said, you are wrong. The unexpected cannot be commonplace. So that is quite a, <laughs> that is quite a declaration. <laughs> First time ever seeing her on the dance floor. Yeah. Um, Within about 30 pages or something, um, mm. he's refusing to kiss her unless she agrees to marry him. So she agrees to marry him and that, that's it in the bag. That enge- the engagement is on, much to most people's disapproval. I wonder if, if it was anything else she would, she, she's not someone that would take well to like a normal courtship. It has to no. be outrageous in some way, doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. it? So, um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, could it be anything else with someone like her who just who, who dislikes the commonplace so much? Mm. But then she does end up disliking all the attention that that engagement She really about. doesn't like that. I feel for her on that one. So, that, that must have been unpleasant. Yeah, but it, but, I don't, but I think as Judith, she's when she's talking to Judith about it, it's not, it's not that she because she's used to be the center of attention. Like some like me and you don't really like to be the center of attention. We find it mm. embarrassing for that way. What she doesn't like is how um, mundane it is, how commonplace all the congratulations are. Mm. The it yeah, I, I think it's something else with her. It's not quite that she doesn't like being the center of attention because she does. It it's that she doesn't like how. Uh, it, it, how boring it is, how insipid it is to be um, to be congratulated or mm. yeah. I would point out, Rach, that um, so desperate are we to avoid attention that we've created a podcast where we're the only people talking, and we encourage people <laughs> to listen to it. <laughs> so mm. <laughs> yes, we don't have to. But it's very different, not face to face attention. But would you like oh. stand in the middle of the room and do the same thing in front of an audience? No, that'd be horrific. Okay, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, but of course, although they're engaged, Charles is a busy man. He's running here, there, and everywhere for the Duke of Wellington, and um, Barbara just gets gets a little naughty kick in a step, and um, ends up accidentally captivating Peregrine. Yeah, and um, I would just say as well, it so it is her um, her behaviour is egged on by both Gussie, her sister-in-law, mm. and um, the Comte de la Vise, yes. who is her, the um, who are the suitor. They, they, they both of them plant these little things in her head mm. about, um, oh, you know, oh, little things about, oh, this is a, fa- um, a family picnic. You'd have to, um, the, the propriety of her relatives, these yes. little things about how mundane her life is going to be with Charles, yeah, basically. Yeah, that was really mean, yeah. The both of them do that, and um, because Gussie doesn't like the engagement because she is, it, it's not um, financially um, mm. uh, advantageous, and she wants her to marry the Comte de la Vise, who's rich. Um, and obviously the Comte de la Vise is doing it because he doesn't he wants to... Uh, to plant um charles but it, it's the, it, it, they really do get these little digs in and you can tell um mm. she is reacting to that as well mm. um however much she says she doesn't listen to people i think she is reacting to that as well yeah uh, yeah i can see that but yeah going back to, to peregrine for a moment mm. so peregrine's kind of captivated by her um harriet is very emotional 
at the moment takes it badly makes it worse which gets bab riled up and then she decides that she will damage this marriage and she she sets out to cause to cause trouble and that is in part because harriet has behaved badly um yeah it's still a bold move i think she just but she does so her first reaction is momentary though isn't it It, it's so harriet cuts her Mm. direct and she she almost gets over that a little bit Mm. but then harriet does something else and and then she said then babs i don't know um raises her eyebrows or something and peregrine comes running or something like that happens and but that was like a momentary thing because she was very angry at the time rather than a really calculated i'm going to set out Mm. and destroy this marriage I mean, she's not interested enough in Peregrine for that, is she? No, no. Um, but at any rate, it gets to the point that Charles has to step in and basically give Peregrine what sounds like a monumental telling off, which is yeah. probably quite difficult to and, bear when you're 24. Yeah. And I would say, what one of the reasons why I really like Charles is, so but Judith and Amworth, to an extent, and, um, and even the book a little bit, um, uh, blames Harriet quite a lot for mm. what happened mm. and it and, and you know Harriet's silly and she she's um she doesn't behave very well mm. but you know she's pregnant and she's um she's worried about she loves Peregrine very much and she's mm. worried about her marriage mm. and, and we need to remember that Peregrine's the one that behaved really badly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and no one seems to blame her you know, except um and what and what what Charles does is is sort of says, you know, reassures Harriet. Basically, mm. it's not your fault. Just you know, um, it, everything's going to be fine. And then has a go at Peregrine, whose fault it is. <laughs> well done, Charles. Yes, absolutely. But um, Barbara does not feel the same way about Charles's interference. Oh, she sees no, it as interference. She does not like this. Yeah. No. So they have quite a good argument. Let's have a look at the argument. So Barbara hears about Charles's interference, and she says to him. I desire to understand you. Did you think I had fallen in love with our youth? Of course not. It was he who fell in love with you. She made a contemptuous gesture. An affair of great moment, that. It was an affair of very great moment to him, and to his wife. What are we of them to you? Not very much, perhaps. That does not signify. I wouldn't let you come between any husband and his wife. Unfortunate. It is one of my pastimes. He was silent, his mouth shut hard, his arms folded across his chest. She said angrily, you have made me ridiculous. You dared, you dared to bundle Peregrine out of the country without a word to me. Do you wish me to confess myself in the wrong? Very well. I behaved after the fashion of my family, badly, but not so badly that it was necessary to set the channel between Peregrine and my charms, as though I would not have given him up at a word from you. You are unreasonable, he replied. Was there not a word from me? I seem to remember that you promised to set all to rights. I trusted you, but you broke your word to me. Is it for you to approach me now? You took Perry from his wife out of spite. That makes me feel sick, do you know? If I'd thought that you knew what unhappiness... But you didn't. It was mischief, thoughtlessness. But, Bab, you cannot undo that kind of mischief merely by growing cool towards the poor devil you made to fall in love with you. To see you, to hear your voice, is enough to keep that passion alive. The only course for Peregrine to follow was to go away. And then... Mm. She, um... She says to him a bit later... There, it is off at last. You may have perceived that I have been tugging at your ring for the last ten minutes. 
It should, of course, have been cast at your feet some time ago, but the confounded thing was always too tight. Take it. He looked at her for a moment, then held out his hand without a word. She dropped the ring into it, turned sharply on her heel, and went out of the room. It was some time before the colonel followed her, but he went back into the ballroom presently and sought out Miss Devonish. Forgive me, he said, I've kept you waiting. And I love that about Charles. He he knows he's still got a duty to Miss Devonish. Yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't forgo that just because his heart is breaking. He's all about duty, isn't he? Yeah, very much so. But I, I love that that line. Your ring, your ring's always too tight for me. Like she's always yeah. found this engagement claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah, it's a good line. And it had it all been building up to that, hadn't it? Because mm. um, it, it wasn't just a peregrine thing. She started behaving badly as soon as she was sort of left her yeah. own devices. She kissed some other dude, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. And she sort of explained. So when um, Judith and her um, are talking about it, when this is when Barbara's come to stay. Mm. with Judith and they're, they're on much better terms mm. um when Charles is off when the Battle of Waterloo is happening um so I have sometimes thought Judith said after a short pause that the circumstances of your engagement made it particularly trying for you in a little town we are obliged to live in a crowded circle from which there could be no escape one day reaction is remarked and discussed it is as though your engagement to Charles was acted upon a stage in all the glare of footlights for the amusement of your acquaintances. Oh, but if you knew, Barbara exclaimed, you do in part realize the evils of my situation. You cannot know what a demon was roused in me by finding myself the object of every form of cheap wit on the one hand and of benign approval upon the other. It was said that I had met my match, that I was tamed at last, and I should soon settle down to a life of humdrum propriety. You would have had the strength to disregard such nonsense i had not when i was with charles it did not signify every annoyance was forgotten in his presence even my damnable restlessness left me but he was busy he could not be always by my side and when he was away from me i was bored if he had married me when i begged him to but oh no it would not have answered there must still have been temptation so i think that sort of explains a little bit what's going on here she just she, yeah as you said her, the ring was too tight she was just um it she was she felt bound and she had to act out and that made her behave even worse than perhaps she would normally do mm-hmm. so she went to the extremes of her behavior didn't she yeah yeah and i think sometimes when you're uncertain of love you perhaps deliberately push it away to test it and it feels yeah. like she's doing that with with charles um, but then, of course, he goes off to battle, and it's a very dramatic moment because um, Napoleon has, mm. has surprised them a little, so it's, it's, it's a touch earlier than they were expecting, which means that many of the, the men disappear off to the to the battlefield in their ball dress. Um, Can you imagine being at that ball when mm. you know suddenly suddenly it's happening and everybody's going yeah. off and everyone's saying goodbye to everybody? Well, I can imagine it because Hayer wrote it really yeah. well. Yeah, it was amazing. It was really, really well done, wasn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think you get a sense of the momentousness of, of that yeah. point in history, how pivotal it was. But, um... And the little bits where you get, so there's there's real people in this. So mm. um, so Georgiana Lennox, is it? Yeah, so, so she's Lord Hay. She, she, yeah, and hey, these are, these, these are real people. So And that mixed with the, the, the other characters, it's just done so well. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so this dramatic moment when everyone leaves, suddenly... Barbara realises what she feels for Charles and she's horrified by, you know, the, the way they left things. So she rushes around to 
um, see Judith and Worth and Russell's in such an uproar, Worth insists that she stays with them. And I think at that point you know that Charles is going to return at some point and they're going to have a reunion. And I think I, um, rather naively, assumed that it would be a grand romantic moment where they rush to each other and kiss. But how it actually played out was Mm. so much more special. Yeah. Because he's already been through the ringer. He's had a horrific experience and he just doesn't have the emotional capacity to do more than briefly acknowledge Barbara. But she understands that. And it's it's really lovely being able to see her put him first for once. Yeah. So that passage. He walked into the room just ahead of his brother, smiled rather wearily at Judith, and then saw Barbara standing by the fireplace. A frown creased his brow. His eyes, heavy and bloodshot, blinked at her in a puzzled way. His brain felt clogged. He did not know how she came to be there and felt too tired to speculate about the circumstance. A nightmare of estrangement lay between them, but he had been in the saddle almost continuously for two days, had taken part in a fierce battle against superior odds, and knew that perhaps the most serious engagement of his life was ahead of him. His mind refused to grapple with personal considerations. He merely held out his hand and said, I didn't know you were here, Bab. How do you do? And then um, Judith uh, is sort of, when Charles is out of the room, Judith is almost indignant on Barbara's part that she didn't get uh, mm-hmm. more of a warm welcome. Yeah. So she, she says, um, how could he? Although he had not a thought in his head but of divisions and brigades and regiments. He hasn't, said Barbara. Well, I, when I think of the suspense you have been in, what you have suffered from the circumstance of, and he behaved as though nothing were of the least consequence but this dreadful war. Barbara gave a laugh. Is anything else of consequence? I like him for that. You were made to be a soldier's wife. I was put out of all patience. But yeah, she gets it. This is not the time to be worried. Even a remarkably passionate love like theirs has to take a back seat in a situation where 30,000 are going to die in battle. Indeed, yeah. Um, And then we have when he's on his when he comes home mm. and he's um he's on his sick bed mm-hmm. um and that is a very sweet moment when mm. they they sort of um when they when they, when they come back together a few minutes after seven he stirred a deep sigh broke the long silence he opened his eyes clouded with sleep and gave a stifled groan his hand moved barbara took it in hers and lifted it to her lips. He looked at her, blankly for a moment, then with recognition creeping into his eyes, and with it the ghost of an old smile. Why, Bav, he said in a very faint voice, you've come back to me. Tears hung on her lashes. She slipped to her knees and laid her cheek against his. You have come back to me, Charles. I shall never let you go again. He put his arm weakly around her and turned his head on the pillow to kiss her. Oh, that is lovely. It's a, it is a, lovely. There's a bit that I like as well that must be around that mm. same point. Um, yet in spite of all, as she sat hour after hour besides Charles, a contentment grew in her, and the vision of the conquering hero, who should have come riding gallantly back to her, faded from her mind. Reality was less romantic than her imaginings, but not less dear, and his feeble laugh and expostulation when she fed him with her grandmother's prescribed gruel were more precious to her than the most ardent lovemaking could have been. So I love that, that 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 kind of the it's it's such a 
a dark reality of it that he came back nearly dead and he's lost a limb and he is no doubt traumatised by the amount of death he has had to witness. But... Yeah. Yeah, that she it kind of accepts that, I think, and and still just loves him. Yeah. I don't have anything clever to say about that. It's just lovely. No, it's just, it's just lovely. And then he makes her go to the drawer and get out the engagement. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, it feels like so much has happened. It's just like a little, the little act of putting on an engagement ring doesn't really feel like a big deal at this point, but I suppose it ties it up very nicely. Um, so she opened the drawer and found a small box in it containing her engagement ring. She said nothing, but brought the ring to the colonel, smiling, but with quivering lips. He took it and commanded her to hold out her hand. The ring slid over her knuckle, but the colonel still retained her hand, saying quietly, that stays there until I give you another in its place, Bab. She dropped on her knees, burying her face in his shoulder. Charles, dear Charles, I shall make you such a damnable wife. Oh, only tell me that you forgive me. He gave a rather shaky laugh and put his arm around her. Who is the dear fool now, he said. Oh, Bab, Bab, just look what I've done. Judith came in a minute later to find Barbara, between tears and laughter, mopping up the spilt tea on the sheet, and exclaimed, oh, This does not look like a sick room. Barbara held out her hand. Congratulate me, Judith. I've just become engaged to your brother-in-law. Oh, my love, of course you have. Judith cried, embracing her. Charles, this time I congratulate you with all my heart. Thank you, he said, with a rather surprised look. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I guess to Charles that must seem like quite a sudden turnaround from his sister-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. That, um, because she did not take the news of his <laughs> betrothal well the first time. I mean, <laughs> that was... absolutely, as you wouldn't. I know, but normally you, you know, you can put a face on it, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you're disappointed at someone's <laughs> engagement, but she doesn't even try. Um, <laughs> yeah. If maybe we could just have a, a bit of a focus in on the horrors of war for a moment um i mean i don't know I, th- I think because of everything that's going on in the world at the moment as well it's mm. almost it was ho- it was harder to listen yes harder but yeah it, it it really it felt a lot harder to listen to so we're watching the invasion of ukraine play out on our screens at the moment mm. and at the same time we're reading the infamous army and you're seeing or reading about villages and towns that were the kind of places we live in one day absolutely destroyed the next and that feels very close to home right now doesn't it yeah yeah it, it really does yeah it, it, it was it was far less abstract at the moment to read it and to, to, to um for my case listen to yeah. how it's described it it, it it felt far less abstract than i think it would normally yes and i i think hey as well does such a good job of recreating the atmosphere of of the run-up to this so it's it's such a heightened uh a heightened atmosphere where there's literally not enough hours in the day for the society the society of brussels to have their amusements before it all turns to darkness mm. so they're, they're having mm. you know moonlight moonlit picnics because they've got to cram in more and more and it's yeah you know presumably it's to distract from what everyone knows is is looming and you do see that that shift in mood as the battle gets closer and i think judith talks to harriet about life in brussels being ruinous like the the pace and the the tension that everyone's living within Mm. and then yeah it shifts as they get closer to battle so 
So news starts coming out that um, perhaps we're actually on the eve of battle. From scores of faces, the polite company masks seem to have slipped. People had forgotten that at balls they must smile, and hide whatever care or grief they owned under bright artificial fronts. Some of the senior officers were looking grave. Here and there a rigid, meaningless smile was pinned to a mother's white face, or a girl stood with a fallen mouth and blank eyes fixed on a scarlet uniform. A queer, almost greedy emotion shone in many countenances. Life had become suddenly an urgent business, racing towards disaster, and the craving for excitement, the breathless moment compound of fear and grief and exaltation, when the mind sharpened and the senses were stretched as taut as the strings of a violin, surged up under the veneer of good manners and shone behind the dread in shocked young eyes. For all the shrinking from tragedy looming ahead, there was yet an unacknowledged eagerness to hurry to meet whatever horrors lurked in the future. If existence were to sink back to the humdrum, there would be disappointment behind the relief and a sense of frustration. That's remarkable, isn't it? That mm. It's like that kind of says, I need to get it over with. And also just the habit of having lived in that kind of extreme emotional state for so long. Yeah. Makes people regret its loss no matter the outcome. Yeah, yeah. I think what was really hard was that when you when you hear about how how harry and um hay i think it was so, mm. so these, these young boys these young boys and they i mean they're young harry's 18 wasn't he mm. and um and they like, and the the way it's described so so they're the the excitement they want to prove themselves the mm. the excitement of going to war as a as a young boy might think think it um and then the absolute horror of them not coming back mm. um yeah i think that um it wasn't shied away from was it i thought it was interesting the way i think you see it you hear about a series of deaths and you understand that charles is sort of and all of them there are almost numb to it like they have to be they have to just keep yeah. doing their work but then they he gets yeah. to harry and it slows down just for a moment and he's sitting yeah. with him and he's you know holding his hand as he's dying and but even then he can't actually stay with him as he dies yeah. he has to go and, and keep his work and that absolutely wrenched my heart and then mm. knowing full well that he's going to have to tell Barbara that her young brother died and in turn you see Barbara tell her grandma Mary about it and it mm. yeah it's it's horrific and then George comes along right at the end this bit really shook me George comes mm. and he's demanding to see Charles and they kind of say look he's not well enough you know just give him a bit of time and eventually George kind of has to make it clear he's there to find out what carnal house Harry ended up in yeah. so he can go and recover the body of his dead brother oh and that just hits you doesn't it yeah yeah especially because it was George so mm. it, you know he's not painted as a particularly um caring character he's a bit of a um you know he's a bit of a rake he's a bit mm. and I, th I think because he because it was coming from him because he did it it was just it was particularly poignant um yeah because you know whatever whatever he was he was somebody that you know loved his brother <sighs> should we take a deep breath and try and lighten the mood yes so talk about some of our our, our characters that we are um recovered characters <laughs> Yes, let's do that. We have Judith and Worth. Nice to know they're getting along, have got a son. Yeah, I do. When we reading Worth's character, 
I think there's a point where he kind of kicks into action because he's looking after the wounded and he rushes off to go and get Charles mm. back. But up until that point, I very much get the sense that whenever he's in a scene, he's just reading the newspaper and occasionally <laughs> yeah. going, hmm, and raising his eyebrow or, or whatever Judith is saying. He's he is really barely there. Yeah, I think, and that's what, yeah, we said that before, wasn't he? He, he is he is greyed out. But then, yeah, I mean, he wasn't. He, he can't. He couldn't. He can't be the um, the hero of this one, no. can he? I don't know if you remember, but I think I struggled to find him the hero in Regency Buck, to be honest. Well, indeed, we don't, he's not a particularly likable character, is he? You say that. I think we're in the minority, but we've we've covered that side of it before. Um, Judith, on the other hand. Um, we get to see through her eyes quite a lot and um, I liked her much more in this although I would say yeah she has mellowed so much I don't really recognize her as the original Judith. No I, I am a bit disappointed I, I, so I, I can see why it's necessary for the story mm. but um, I'm a bit disappointed at how judgy she is mm. of Barbara so um, obviously you know, you're not going to like somebody that treats your brother-in-law who you, you know, you love badly. But before that, it, you know, it, even at first sight of her, she mm. is very disapproving of her mm. and, oh, she's got a reputation, all of this. Now, given that Judith herself, um, not anything like this kind of reputation, but did have a bit of a reputation and was talked about and did some silly things in her youth, mm. it just seemed a little bit, bit judgy, didn't it? It did, it did. Um, on the other hand, Dominic and Mary, for me, feel much more like their original characters. So I think for da- Dominic arrives on the scene and he's really furious with this Fisher family um, <laughs> because he feels they're not good enough for his for his son. Um, and Mary grandson, is... Grandson, Grandson, sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Although that... None of that timeline really makes sense, does it? I was trying to work it out, but then I thought, well, I'm not going to bother anymore. I'm just going to suspend. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's that Mary and Dominic couldn't have had grandchildren as old as they have. But regardless. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I think Mary does that kind of thing where she just peaceably ignores Bedal's anger until it dies away. And, which I particularly love, um, she finds a wounded invalid in the form of Charles and feeds him some gruel. Just like the good old days. <laughs> yeah. She loves a bit of gruel. Because, because that is exactly how she handled him in mm. Devil's Club, didn't she? She just, like, yes, my lord. Yes, my lord. Yes, my lord. And they just did completely the opposite of what he <laughs> She's spooning he gruel into him. <laughs> yeah. That was really no, nice. No, I did. I, I enjoyed their coming into the book at a late hour. And um, they added a bit of comic relief at the end, didn't it? Which was probably needed. Oh, Yes. Can I just finish up with an honourable mention to one of the best lines I've read in a George Hayer book? Mm. It's got nothing to do with the rest of the storyline, really. It's just amazing. I hope that it's in there because George Hayer read it somewhere and it actually actually happened, but I, I don't know. Okay, so um, Judith is talking to General Baron von Muffling at a ball. Fantastic name. Um, and he's kind of talking about his experience of surveying with British soldiers. Um, and he says, It is not the custom, I find, to criticise or control your commander-in-chief. With us, it is different. On our staff, everything is discussed openly in the hearing of all the officers, which is, I find, not so good, for time is wasted, and there are always what the marshal calls 
troops of spritzen. I think you say trouble squirts? <laughs> trouble squirts! <laughs> yeah, I read that. Yeah. Oh, general. No one says that. <laughs> so he, he was, I've just Googled him, he was a real person. <laughs> Brilliant. Did it, did it mention it trouble squirts? mention, no. Trouble squirts. But, um, they say German isn't a romantic language, but they give us trouble squirts. <laughs> trouble squirts. <laughs> right. So that is enough for us on an infamous army, I think. Um, what are we reading next time, Rach? Do you need me to tell you? I don't know. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's The Quiet Gentleman. The Quiet Gentleman. Oh, this is nice. This is a bit of adventure bit of um attempted murder yeah 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 i think so i'm looking forward to it fun times thank you very much for listening we do really appreciate it um we'd have a little like and review oh yeah we do it makes our day doesn't it yep it does i mean we somebody Um, said something so nice on twitter recently that both of us nearly cried (laughs) yeah um it's really really lovely when you when um we see the messages on facebook and twitter um you know e- even if it's just a comment to start a conversation it's um it's, it's really nice that people are listening and, and yeah the, um, they're taking the time to um comment so thank you very much yes i love it when people kind of say oh you know i don't want to bother you about georgia Hayer," and i think you are never bothering me about georgia Hayer. it is impossible to bother me about georgia Hayer. i will <laughs> always find time to talk about her <laughs> anyway um take care you're awesome Bye-bye. bye bye